good morning, good evening to all those listening today to Crime at the Family Table. I'd like to welcome you to this week's episode. So sorry, guys, that I have missed so many weeks of Crime at the Family Table, but I've been trying to figure out a good schedule for myself, as well as a good system of taking notes and getting information for each case, you know, as the little engine that could, we are uh, full steam ahead into the future of this podcast, and I have some things I would like to go over with you uh, before before anything. So one of those things is uh, dealing with um, making sure to do updates of our future cases before each episode. Those are things that we like to do here. Um, we will try to keep things short, sweet, and concise. We will pick one um, situation from each uh, case that we've discussed in the past and try to give some updates if we can. Um, if not, we'll just let you know, like, hey, like, there's been no further up- future updates on some of the pl- uh, cases, and then we'll move on from there. Second, um, one of the things that I would like to discuss is that this season will be continuing um weekly um we will be going through season two um for the next i have i have finally concluded that it will probably be about 15 episodes this season only because of how i plan on doing some of the cases which you guys will see going forward it will be a 15 episode season so a longer season So this break was really just to start getting myself in order and prepping myself for new cases and like how I will be doing the research as well as like, you know, getting down my articles and things like that. So without further ado, I would like to first thank you guys uh, for all your patience and understanding in what we do here at Crime at the Family Table is with you guys' support and continued viewership that we are able to move forward and we are so appreciative and thank you guys so much for being here with us all right without further ado let's get started so today i want to go over the lawrence smithfield's case if if you guys are not familiar lawrence smithfield's recently was found um dead in her apartment in december 12th of 2021 Lauren was found under mysterious circumstances uh, being found after a bumble date that she had had the night before and that said bumble date um, woke up with her that morning and she was unresponsive so a lot of suspicion is surrounding this case such as with the bumble date bumble the police investigation and another case that becomes kind of connected due to police um ineffectiveness in their in their duties so an update that i would like to give you is that in the lawrence smithfield's case things are still being questioned in regards to the bumble date um la fountain who is the last name of the individual that was on the bumble date with lauren um has not been arrested and has not been questioned um but right now we are dealing with the internal investigation that has been put against officers, investigators that were involved in the Lawrence Smith Fields case, as well as 
the Brenda Rouse case, which was um, it within the same area. They were um, these investigators were involved in both cases, and there was dropping of the ball in informing family members of the of their um, relatives' um, death, and like just complete and utter just you know re-victimization that was done to the family. So at this time in January, the the investigators were suspended. However, the due to the internal investigation ending, these um, these officers are fighting back for their positions. They're fighting back against the suspicion as they believe that it was not right to, for them to be suspended. And, and they feel as though it's pretty much kind of like they're feeling like it's a witch hunt against them, that they are being blamed uh, without just cause for what ha for what is happening. And they don't feel like it's right for them to be persecuted by people. So, you know, it's one of those things where police are going to fight to finale even when they're wrong and they can never find anything simply wrong with the actions or inactions that they put forward. Lauren, um, Lauren's mother found out that her daughter was dead, not from being being taken down to a police station, but being told over the phone when she called the um, the police station. That is not ethical in any way. I don't think anybody could just say that that, that is okay. So their questions do arise, and Brenda Rouse's family found out about her death in the same manner. So please understand that when we talk about, you know, it's 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 the smaller things that matter. Like oftentimes we hear about police and they're shooting um, black individuals down, but the inhumanity to give victims to give victims families that closure and that peace and that and that hand in the system is, you know, what was missing. And the fact of the matter is. The mayor feels the same way. The mayor um, of Bridgeport, Connecticut, does feel the same way. Um, he is standing beside the family. He believes that the officers have literally not done their job in in a well enough capacity, and it's a lot to be to be said about that. Questions should happen. Things should always be left up to the people also deciding for themselves you know how to proceed as well as keeping the the push ahead for justice going and justice it has to come in multiple forms since there has to be justice that we have to be able to find in the justice system the justice system should not be able to do things so unethically and then just get away with a slap on the wrist. There has to be action. There has to be some form of punishment for that. You just can't do what what you want in in the pursuit of your job. Anyone who has a job knows, like when you do something bad at your job, you get write-ups, you get suspensions, you get you get these things. These things happen normally in the course of your job. So the fact that Police simply think that they're not supposed to have that happen to them and believe that in no capacity are they allowed to be questioned is 
is so unbelievable and it's so scary that they believe that they're above the same laws that they put across us so I will keep you guys updated if I find anything else for Larson Fields. Like I said, um, the bubble date is not has not been furtherly investigated. The family does still feel that like he should be a person of interest and should be brought in again for questioning, but nothing has come come from that. And we we over here at Crime of the Family Table do wish for Lawrence Mills justice and for all questions that the family has to be answered and for them to find peace in this time. All right. Thank you guys so much. And if you guys have any information you would like to give um, in regards to this case, like if you find out any updates, please send them my way. Like I'm always up for getting new information from you guys also with any of the other cases we have discussed you can always go on the list on spotify or apple um, podcast and look at our list and see what cases we have discussed in the past and give us any updates that you find in regards to those cases uh and so i can discuss them at the pod all right so without further ado i am going to get into the case that we are discussing today and we have what I like to call a case of double trouble. So, like I said, this season we are talking about mothers. Um, but this time we have a mother-daughter duo. So, this is somewhat of a pretty recent case. Um, this case occurred um, a year prior to the pandemic, but didn't really um come get any closure until like the the very beginning of the pandemic so it's very um interesting how things were able to move along with everything because a lot of people saw with cases that had that happened in the pandemic a lot of trials were slowed down like because they were pushed back because of COVID-19 restrictions court appearances potential people getting COVID before their cases but this case moves pretty forward pretty fast so which is great. I feel like that allows for swift and clear justice to be um, handed handed down. So, which is very good um, for, I feel like, the family involved for their healing process. So, all right, without further ado, I am getting into the case of the Decree family murders. So, Shayna and Dominique Decree, um, our mother and daughter, Shayna, 45, and her daughter, Dominique, at the time of this case, were all living in the Morris Apartments in Morrisville, PA, which is in Bucks County. They lived in a two-bedroom apartment with six other family members. Those six other family members were Nyaira Smith, who was Shanna's um, daughter and Dominique's sister, Damian Decree, Shayna's young son, um, Dominique's uh, brother, Jamila Campbell, who is Shayna's sister, as well as Jamila Campbell's two, um, three other children, uh, Erica Allen, Imani Allen, who are twins who are nine, and Joshua, who last name is not known, but he was 17. Um, they all lived together. So, as anyone can tell, this situation is not, of course, ideal, but many of people who grow up 
um, in certain situations, understand that multiple family members can take a place, take a residence, you know, save money, um, like be able to just get it together, the family unit, all staying in one place and being able to support each other in times of, in times of need. One of the biggest things that I think would happen in like a two bedroom apartment with most likely one bathroom is everybody's fighting over the bathroom. Somebody's doing their makeup, brushing their teeth. Like people are just in the shower for too long, taking up all the hot water. It's always something happening. And I really feel like it's probably no quiet time. Like you have, you have uh, two teenagers, a, a preteen, and two kids i mean it's getting wild like and so many different personalities and things going on it like it doesn't feel like that would be a situation that wouldn't need it would not not need a referee to kind of break up all of the monotony but honestly neighbors really didn't have any problems with the decree family so it pretty much seemed like, hey, like they just lived here. This was like their place. They lived on the first floor, which is good for neighbors because they're not over top of each other, banging around, stomping up and down, the, stomping up and around them, especially with nine-year-olds that want to um, probably jump off their beds and and make all the noise in the world, especially if they have a sugar rush. So it seemed like a pretty good situation. But all kind of started changing. So in February 2019, Damon Decree was taken from his um, Morrisville uh, Middle School um, and by Shayna, who basically said that I want to homeschool him. Like, that's my plan. Like, I'm not going to, you know, have him in school anymore. I will homeschool him. And due to the school's agreement, especially with the school district, if you take your kid out of school, you have to have an educational plan because you can't just take your kid out of school and not have a plan for their education because by law they're they're meant to get some form of education. And Shayna agreed to that. She said, cool, that's fine. Like, I have no problem with that. I'll reach back. You know, a week went by. And then another week went by, and it seemed like she had not put in any type of educational, um, any educational plan for Damon. So social services for the um for the Bucks County area came out to the house, in in our reality to do a welfare check. I mean things were kind of getting weird over at the Morris apartment. Like it wasn't. It was just out of the ordinary. Damon getting taken out of school. And from what the neighbors were starting to say to the landlord at the Morris apartment was there was a lot of trash going on, piling up. There was like, it was funky. Like things were just really seeming to be just getting a little, little weird over at in the decree residence. So... When the social worker got um, to the apartment, um, they tried to knock. They tried to signal that they were that they were out there. That hey, like we're here. We just want to look around. We just want to talk. We want to make sure everything is good as it's supposed to be. But no answer was had. And so since it was like a welfare check, um, 
story things are kind of a little funny at this time so some articles do say like the police did come over and they were the ones that got in um some reports are saying like no the social worker was able to get the maintenance person to come down and unlock the door as to com um complete the welfare check um but those things are kind of imbalanced but what we do know is that once the door was open to the Morrisville apartment, things got a whole lot stranger. So when they walk into the apartment, I mean, yeah, like it's clear to see that, okay, things are not okay in here. So imagine this, walking into an apartment and just glass broken all over the floor, couches just out of place, chairs all out of place. There is a smell, there's garbage places, and it just feels very eerie inside of there. And then you walk into one of the bedrooms and you find Shayna Decree and Dominique Decree laying on the bed in a almost hypnotic dazed state, just looking, not saying anything, not moving, just laying there. And what's even stranger is that they're when they're not talking, they're just looking into the distance and they just don't seem to be all the way there. At this time, what we can know is that the social worker did call not is supposed to call 911 at this time to say that they committed the welfare check and think something was going on over here at the apartment. Luckily, they didn't stay in there, it seemed for a long period of time. Um because if they had, they would have found that the other family members were in the other bedroom and they weren't alive. So Naira Smith, um, Damon Decree, Jamila Campbell, Erica and Imani Allen were all, um, were all found dead. And things just were just very strange about all of this. So when police did arrive um, and went to commit the investigation, at first they're just like, okay, something's off. So as they're trying to get um, an understanding of what's happening with Shana and Dominique, one of them ends up having a seizure and they're still not talking. Like there's no words that's just coming out of their mouth. Like it's just quietness and it's just so weird. So police are thinking like, hey, like maybe it's like a gas leak is happening in the house. Like maybe there's carbon monoxide poisoning happening and, you know, they're succumbing to carbon monoxide poisoning. And that's what happened to the other family members as well. So um, fire firemen um, come in and their hazard equipment with carbon monoxide detection equipment. Um, and they found that there was no carbon monoxide poisoning uh detected in the house no high levels were detected in the house and just so you guys know like that it was just it was just eerie because you know carbon dioxide can explain you know some of these some of the behaviors in a sense so carbon monoxide poisoning when it gets to a certain point can cause you to become confused disoriented fainting, and even death from long periods of time. And depending on, you know, this is all like having to do with a lot of different factors. Like someone older is not going to necessarily succumb to it as someone really young because the body, you know, take in more gas. But it was very strange to even think that because 
if if anything then like why were only these other five people um found dead and not Shayna and Dominique so Shayna and Dominique are at the hospital it is it is said that Dominique asks to die to police like she's saying like I want to die I want I I don't want to live and it it just seems so so off so police are trying to scramble their heads around everything they're collecting evidence in the house they look around they start taking the bodies out of the house so at first it seems that there are four bodies there but they end up finding Damien underneath one of his relatives body who was shielding his body so it seemed like like they died on top of him so we're, we're not told that explicitly because the police tried to pretty much not give up too much information about the details of, of the state in which the fam the bodies were found in order to, you know, preserve some things as well as, you know, just keeping some of the cryptic stuff out of the media. And it's, it's very essential that this happens because... I think it preserves some of the family's feelings around these relatives. Like they're able to be like their family is not being exposed. Like there's some spectacle because from the minute that those Morrisville apartment doors were open that on February 25th, 2019, the world's eyes were all in there and the families, all of the family's information um, starts pulling out. So what can be noted is that Shayna loved her kids. Um, it seemed that on her social media, at least, that she, you know, was so supportive of her daughter, Naira, and that she loved her son, Damien, that she was just really close with them, had pictures of them, talked about how um, Dominique stayed by her in her time of need when she was feeling unwell, and and this was just small bits of that. Um, Dominique seemed to have previously worked at Sesame Place um, at um, during the summer months and had recently graduated from high school. Dominique seemed to have a good amount of Facebook friends, about 4,000 of them. However, in and of itself, Dominique having 4,000 Facebook friends is not conducive of her having a vampish social life it actually didn't seem like she really had much going on besides like being with her family having some friends and you know working at sesame place like she was pretty under the radar her page was not private so that allows pretty much anybody and everybody to add you and befriend you so that's not really a sign of somebody with a bubbling social personality that wouldn't, with anything that is happening at this point is still very strange. So some other things that come up is the fact that, you know, like I said, like the family, um, all eight of them lived in this household together. Um, but they seem pretty isolated. So they didn't seem like they can't, like anyone besides those eight ever really 
um, dealt with anybody outside of there. It didn't seem like they had bubbling amount of friends and just a social life that was really going on. And I guess, you know, some people can say like, well, with family, you don't really need um, outside people. But it just, you know, you wonder, like, every little thing has like a question to it. Another thing that comes up is Shana Decree herself. So Shana Decree had a Wattpad account. And Wattpad, if anybody doesn't know, is like for amateur writers. Some people can become published and get books written. And some people use it as like kind of their own personal journal space, write books, write fictions, or or sometimes works of nonfiction. And that's what Shana did. So Shana seemed to use this as her personal diary and and really divulge things about her life. So one of um, Shana's stories talked about how she was um, sexually and emotionally abused by her father growing up and that she, um, that her ex-husband, who she's estranged from, and that's where the decree name comes from, Dominique and Damon um, have the same father, um, Damon Decree senior so Damon Decree senior she is basically without really naming him just saying that he attempted to poison her and she just didn't seem you know like her life was filled with much happiness that she had went through and triumphed over a lot of obstacles in her life and that her life was plagued by a lot of sorrow but the but from her social media standpoint you can see that through that sorrow that her family brought her back to life. Her family brought her a lot of solace and they made her feel whole again. And that her children really supported her through things. But then what leads us here? So what leads us to the events that occurred on February 25th, 2019? No one really knows. Um, so when the police go into the hospital to talk to Shayna and Dominique, they kind of start getting the same story, but then it just starts changing. So at first, um, Shayna and Dominique blame um, a boyfriend or a male friend of Jamila's and two other male comrades of him for murdering everybody, but leaving Shayna and Dominique alive. But then that just didn't make sense to police. And I guess they just weren't having that. So then Shayna and Dominique, these are both, mind you guys, separate. Like they're not in the same room with each other. That Then it becomes the story of, and the story that kind of sparked a lot of what the hell is going on. They all wanted to die. Every last one of them. They all wanted to die. That is what Shayna and Dominique Decree kept repeating, that each one of the family members, Damon, Naira, Jamila, even Erica and Imani, all wanted to die, that they were all suicidal, and that they basically had all agreed to a suicide pact. But that something just doesn't feel right. Like, why would children be wanting to harm themselves and kill themselves like like that that just doesn't seem to be okay and it's sparking a lot of curiosity and concern and 
bewilderment. Like, where does this mentality come from? But I guess police don't really have much time to think about it. They arrest uh, Dominique and Shayna, and they just move from there. Um, Shayna and Dominique are mugshots are seen, and they just look so worn out. Like, um, Shayna's lips are, like, dry and crusty. She has this faraway look in her eyes. Her dreadlocks are, you know, they look old and withered, and they, she just looks exhausted. And Dominique just doesn't seem like, you know, she just has this sad look. And I, yeah, I understand it when she's young and, you know, but it's just a lot to take in because pretty much what they've admitted to is that they potentially murdered their whole family. Um, the only relative they got away, it seemed, was um, Joshua, who wasn't at the house at the time. But everyone else in that house did not make it out alive. And it's just by what, whatever power you believe in that Joshua did, was not home. He was the only surviving relative. And I don't and I don't understand what he could be possibly feeling from this. Like, you know, the survivor's guilt could potentially be there. The 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 questions, what did he see? What did he know? Like and we never really get those answers at all. So, but we what we do find out is more strange things about Shayna. About Shayna. So, Damien Decree, um, senior, lives down in Raleigh, North Carolina. Like he does not live in in Morrisville at all, nowhere near. But he seems to have a like you know relationship with his son, and he had had concerns that were raised against the family and why were he, was he having these concerns well he says something really strange that his accord with people in the media that they were into some cult-like activity there that there was that that Shayna was talking about demons and 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 other things that were just really strange and they had got sucked into this cult online like what like how can this family be sucked into an online cult like what cult are they involved in what's happening and then another family um member who is a relative of the uh, imani and erica really just says like they were involved in some weird stuff and they got the kids involved in it so it seems like um, who they're talking about in this instance is Shayna and Jamila. It seems that they were the catalyst for what was going on. And we kind of get this information from the from this the weird affidavit that was taken the day that um, Shayna and Dominique were in the hospital. That they both are saying that these, and mind you guys, like I said before, they're saying this in different times like it's almost like they're stringing this story together but on different sides of the wall and it's so eerie to think like so basically so Shayna says that what occurred in the house and the story that she pretty much sticks to is that um at first it was Shayna and Jamila that um were killing people and then Dominique came about and killed Jamila at the end. Um, 
autopsies find that they that the family members did die from uh, asphyxiation and strangulation. Um, we don't know if there was a weapon used. It's like if it was just like a pillow or something like that. But it seems like the, the manner of it was just, you know, pretty much the same across board. And it seems that both their stories are that Jamila and Shayna were doing the murdering initially. That 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 is what happened. And it's crazy to think because, you know, what? Like how? Like how could, you know, Jamila and Shayna kill their children? kill their own children because those will be the victims. And then Dominique then goes about and kills her aunt. It's it's mind-boggling. And when you see pictures of this family, you guys, like, it is just so weird because they just look like normal people. Like, they just look so normal. And it's like, they just like a normal black family that you would just see in your neighborhood. Like, they just look so normal. Like, Yes, they were a large family that was living together, but what? Like, how could this happen? Like, and I keep saying this, how could something like this really happen? Well, we have some understanding of what this is. So, filicide is a parent killing a child. That is the the term for what pretty much happened here. So... Uh, filicide is a part of a multiple category system, altruistic, uh, acutely psychotic, accidental, unwanted child, spousal revenge. So altruistic speaks to the fact that the uh, relative suffering of a, to relieve the suffering of a child from real or imagined suffering is what the parent's duty is in their mind in killing the child. Acutely psychotic is a parent is in the throes of psychosis, accidental, but due to maltreatment is accidentally, literally meaning like they were abusing this child for long periods and the child accidentally died in the commission of abusive acts. Spousal revenge to, to take out, to make the spouse suffer. This can be both the father or mother in this scenario. Um, one of a case that I, I draw back to that is an example of this is in Mayfair that there was a mother who killed her children because she felt that her husband was cheating on her. And she knew that that would hurt him, not only losing, you know, not losing her didn't scare him. She wanted to take his children away. And um, I, I believe one of the children did survive, um, but barely and it was a very sad situation and then you see it also with men it was a man who um i believe a few years ago he took um his girlfriend's um i believe this was a child they shared together he took the child and took them out into the water and put weights on like the car seat and like weighted the child down inside of the water and watched the child just drown all in the commission of revenge against this woman for wanting to leave him because he saw this child as the bitter end, the way to hurt her and cut her the, the deepest that he could possibly cut her. And during the trial, he had no remorse and 
and it was just a sick and twisted belief. So moving back to our story on the Decree family, we we kind of also see familicide. So familicide is an extermination of entire family. Most oftentimes what we see this in is family annihilators. Um, generally white men who kill their fam their entire families and then end up committing suicide. Uh, but in this case, we're seeing kind of a triple whammy with them. So it seems like this is a familicide with altruistic and acutely psychotic themes, which matches closely with this with this really strange phenomenon. Um, the psychosis we're talking about is fully ado. Fully ado or something is called identical or similar um disorder it is infectious insanity psychosis of of association double in or double insanity is is a phenomenon where a mental disorder affecting two or more people usually a people of close family members so this deals with a dominant and submissive um individual um Usually this can pass on as such something like, so sometimes just the dominant personality, so the dominant and, prim and the primary psych psychosis. So this person actually may deal with a mental, um, a mental illness. So such as schizophrenia um, and, and parent or just other paranoid thinking and this paranoid thinking because of close dominant proximity to the other person can cause another person of the submissive kind who doesn't have any semblance of mental disorder of uh, mental illness to take on those same thoughts and feelings and act upon them some cases we see this in is where a parent has full control like so in the situation of a parent and child relationship we have a mother who is the dominant person and she has her adult son who is coming to take care of her because the parent holds a dominant status in that in that child's life although they are an adult they still fall victim to to this person because of the power that they hold because they can isolate make them feel as if they're the only ones to look to and so that that paranoid thinking ends up falling on the shoulders of the of the kid but that it doesn't have to just be that um another famous case of where people believe a fully ado has reared its head were these two sisters in europe who Basically, there's a video of them where they're in um, where they're in um, London, and they're on the street, um, on the basically what you would consider the expressway. Um, they are out there, basically just flinging themselves around, running from police, and and just acting a fool. Like literally, both of them run out into the street. One of them gets hit by a fucking truck and like gets the legs crushed but they're in such a dazed state that neither one of them like seems to understand what the f is going on the other sister who twin sister who seems to survive this incident which is just some scrapes and bruises goes on later on to kill a man 
by stabbing him and then jumping off a bridge, but survives that and is now and has been imprisoned. But all of this is just in a daze, in like in this form of a daze. It's so it's such a strange trial and it doesn't happen often. Like it is something that psychiatrists have like pretty much been trying to figure out like how the hell does this happen because it doesn't happen with everyone and so that means it has to be a dominant personality or dominant relationship submissive relationship so an abusive person to a abused person or a parent to child relationship uh, sometimes it does happen with partners like I said like with a abusive individual to an abused individual. So the abuser has a dominant personality and they can create a situation where because they're isolating this other individual, they're making the person feel feel like they're the end all be all. That person then leans on that person for all their thoughts, feelings moving forward. And that is how we can get into what essentially happened with the Cree family that Shayna and Dominique potentially are dealing with shared psychosis that or family psychosis. So pretty much we are dealing with someone who is sharing psychosis amongst each other. And the primary holder, it seems, will be Shayna. Shayna seems to be the dominant personality who has passed on her psychosis to other relatives in the house. And it doesn't seem as if it was passed on to their children, but it does seem as if the other, that the other adult, Jamila, and potentially Dominique, are all falling victim to Shayna's belief system because she is the power holder in this structure. Um, I'm not gonna say it's 100% because we don't know. Like a lot of what's happening with, the, with this case is that we, we just have a family that's gone and it's it's really hard to understand what happened but some of the things that we can account for is that Shayna this this whole thing happened amongst a couple of days that it didn't happen on February 24th it essentially happened on February 22nd that it was a systematic annihilation of each family member and that then it, when it came down to Shayna and Dominique, it just stopped. And it seemed to be like when the police and social worker found them, they were pretty much in a, like a catatonic state. They couldn't figure it out. Um, in the beginning of 2020, they both had pled not guilty to the crime, um, not because of insanity, but just not guilty. And it just seemed very strange when there was a mountain of evidence that showed like you guys admitted to murder that there, like you are at least uh, accountable for all of these deaths, no matter who in the house that you kill. Because at some point, one of you guys could stop it. I don't know if I 100% believe that, because if you're dealing with somebody with psychosis, I don't necessarily think that all of their faculties were there together. But you know, they're not trying to say insanity, so it doesn't seem like that was going to work if they're not going to plead insanity. But by the end of um, 2020, September of 2020, Shayna and Dominique did plead guilty. Um, it seemed after some time apart from each other that whatever that they were going through mentally had somewhat worn off. 
And I don't think they will be ever all right. I don't think that they will ever be fit to be in society again, but because of this, but they did apologize for the harm that they caused the family. They, they apologized for taking these precious souls from the world. And they were also, they were both sentenced to five counts of, of murder um, and have been stricken down with five life sentences. And I think that that's the only possible way you can go with this. They, them seeing the light of day and them being out into society is not going to work for them. Um, if we're going to go off the theory that they're they're possibly dealing with shared psychosis, the the thing about it is is that Dominique needs to stay away from Shayna, but she also needs to stay away from other people. Um, as well as Shayna, because it doesn't seem like, I'm not saying that they need to be in isolation, but what I'm saying is due to this idea of, 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 of potentially them having shared psychosis, it seems as though if they are ever in a dynamic in which it is, they are able to be, if Dominique is in a, for example, in an environment where she's able to be controlled and she's able to be, you know, taken 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 for a, a a whirlwind, and somebody has a dominant personality. It seems like she will follow them. It seems that in in a relationship of where the dynamic is unequal, that she will fall victim to it, and it's potential. So I would definitely say that her. Her and Shayna definitely need psychological support while they're in prison to ensure that they don't fall fall into them same trends again and potentially harm anyone else. Because that can be very dangerous for other people that are within the prison system. Um, as far as the family is concerned, uh, Damon Decree Sr., um, believes that both Shayna and Dominique should spend the rest of their lives in jail, that they that they don't deserve anything less than their entirety of their lives, and he doesn't want to see them basically put in a mental hospital. No, they, he believes that they should rot. And that is his right. That is his right to feel how he wants to feel. Um, I'm not going to say that he's wrong for having those feelings because they're valid. He lost his child and and five lives were lost to this world because of un, unimaginable situation. And by all accounts, we can just say that the real victims here are those children. So to Damon Decree Jr., Imani, Erica, Naira, may you rest in peace. It seems that you guys were caught in the middle of something that was beyond your understanding. And it seems like you were really caught up in a really bad family dynamic. And I hope that justice has been served for you um, swiftly and necessary. So I... That's all I really have to say on this matter because 
honestly, there's nothing much else for it. Um, I really hope that the family of of these victims find peace and that that there is some sense of justice and and I hope that those that knew um, these kids has fond memories that they can hold dear. I am very happy to have found out that the Morrisville school in which um, Damien did attend did provide counseling to students and teachers in order for them to um, for them to you know get some form of closure and 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 find some help and healing in this because who Damien falls under is this idea of the invisible children kids that get lost to parents who can potentially be abusing them harming them putting them in harm's way and then they get moved to homeschooling where they can be or this idea of quote-unquote homeschooling and be going missing and it seems that you know there was cries for help from all areas and maybe had those cries for help from Damon Decree Sr. and the school been heard a little earlier, those lives could have potentially been saved. So I hope that you guys, you know, take this and understand that if you see something, say something. And if it seems fishy, ask questions. Get help. Because you could potentially be saving the lives of, of innocent victims that really are just looking for help and support. So I thank you guys and for coming to another week of Crime at the Family Table. I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. Um, And I will see you guys next time. Bye.